welcome back for season two of the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson, and I'm here to encourage you with tips and strategies to help you deepen your faith, build stronger relationships, and do the most with your life in Christ. Thank you for joining. Let's get started. Life is filled with disagreements. People that we love, people whom we live with or worship with or work with, we will not always see things the same way. There will be debate, argumentation, discussion, different positions. In a nutshell, life, again, is filled with disagreements. And in terms of how to handle all of that, There is a very popular strategy out there. Maybe you've tried it. It's called being a knucklehead. Being a knucklehead is when you decide you don't need to hear what anyone else has to say. You are convinced. You are right. That is the end of the discussion unless the other person is ready to hit their knees and openly confess. People who approach differences like that tend to have some common traits. Number one, they don't listen very well. I mean, why do I need to listen to what you are saying? I disagree with it, and that's the end of it. People like this don't learn very much. What's there to learn? I have an opinion, and that's all that matters. People like this are usually not very well researched because actually doing the work, studying the scripture, reading the articles, building the evidence, that is something you would do if you were actually going to have an intellectual conversation with an adversary in an attempt to defend your position or convince them to change. But the knucklehead doesn't really care about that. They just spout some random facts they saw in a Yahoo article, and it's the end of it. Because of this, People who fit in this category generally surround themselves with only people who agree with them. They live in an echo chamber where all of their friends and people who are allowed to be close to them are in full agreement. 99.99% of their Facebook friends are just like them. And if they can find that 0.01%, they will say something a little chirpy and unfriend them immediately. And the problem with all of this is nobody wins. There's not a single good thing that comes out of that kind of attitude. In fact, I would like to paint a very different picture for you. If you find yourself in a disagreement with someone else, maybe your spouse or a brother in Christ or your neighbor, there are some tremendously positive things that can come out of that friction. Number one. You can actually have an understanding of a position that is different than your own. You do understand that you can do that without agreeing with it. You can actually find out where this other person is coming from, what their argument is, and why they think that way. And if you're willing to take the time to do that, which requires a lot of listening, then you can get respect, rapport, And by the way, when you start speaking, there's a good chance that they too will actually listen. And then you can create some other good outcomes, like actual progress. That progress can come in one of two forms. One, 
you convince them that your position is right. You've shown respect for one another, you've listened, you understand exactly where they are coming from, and you have made an intellectual and thoughtful argument and won them over. What a great outcome. Or, secondly, maybe they win you over. We don't think about that very often. But maybe their position is correct and yours is not. And you actually get to change, learn, grow, and get better by abandoning a previous position. Do you understand how few people do this? Everything I just said in the last 90 seconds. Listen to try to understand a position different than their own. Actually try to have intellectual conversations on the topic and have a real expectation that change can come out of it, including the real possibility that that change may be needed in them. Now, in order to get that ball rolling today, I want to give you one great tip. It is the title of today's episode, Build Steel Men. Maybe you've heard this term before. Maybe you haven't. I'm excited for a chance to share it with you. It is certainly something that a lot of people, genuinely good people with the ability to learn and a willingness to be humble, have actually been employing for a really, really long time, and it will operate under the term build steel men. Maybe the best way to explain it is to talk about its opposite, a term that you probably have heard. Have you ever been accused of building straw men? Let me tell you a little bit about my history with that term, and then we will define it and work our way towards the steel structure. From my childhood up until the age of 15 years old, I was homeschooled, guarded, I guess you would say, and never ever heard that term. No one ever accused anyone of building straw men. About a month after I turned 15, my mom dropped me off at the junior college and said, go be a college student. That was part of the homeschool direction in those days, and there was no online class option, so I went to Kingwood Junior College for about three years. I took philosophy classes and sociology classes, the whole deal, and never once heard the term building straw men. At the age of 18, I got married. I left college, much to my mother's chagrin. By the way, I did go back and finish later, so she started talking to me again. That was nice. I left college and went to work for my father-in-law at a sand and gravel pit. I helped to run this pit for nearly four years, and that is where I came to hear the term. He would drive out to the site, and he would ask me why I did something, something that clearly he disagreed with, and I would give him my reason. And he would say, Chris, stop building straw men. I can hear his voice even now saying that to me. He said it so often. Sadly, my father-in-law has passed from this life, but I will never forget him talking to me about that topic over and over again. And here's what would happen. He would ask me why I did something, why I made a certain decision, and I would build the scenario to where it made my decision look obvious. I would paint the other person who was involved in such a way that favored my choice, made it to where obviously what I did was right because look at what was presented before me and anybody would have done it. And he kept saying, you're building a straw man. So I didn't realize any of that. 
and the internet had just gotten going back then in the late 90s, so I went online and did a little research, and it turns out that a straw man is when you intentionally misrepresent someone or something else because it is easier to defeat that than the opponent's real argument. So a straw man is not a fair representation of the other side. It hasn't considered the other side. It's not arguing for the other side. In fact, it's setting up a hollow, fragile, ridiculous caricature of the other argument so that I can walk in and knock it over with a single blow and be the hero. My father-in-law called me out a lot for that when I was young, and I'm pretty sure he was right. But here's the point for you. If you are in a disagreement with someone, if you hold a principle different from someone else, if there is an argument coming and you misrepresent the other side, you don't represent them truthfully or fairly or with integrity, you make a caricature of their argument. You say things like, well, this is what you believe, or this is what you're saying, and it's not really what they believe or what they're saying, or it doesn't fairly represent it, just so that you can come in and make your side look valiant, nobody wins. A lot of knuckleheads employ this. It's cheap and lazy and easy, but it doesn't do any of the things we talked about a few minutes ago. Firstly, it means you will never truly understand their position. You only researched them enough to pull out some silly aspects of it in your view so that you can knock it down. You'll never really know what they are saying. Secondly, the chances that they will then listen to you and truly assess what you're saying drops to nearly zero. And then in the end, nobody changes. There wasn't even really the potential for unity in a straw man situation. But there is a much better way. There is a better way to engage with people with whom you have disagreements that brings all kinds of positive potential in you and around you and even in them. We are calling it Build Steel Men. And by definition, here's what it means. It is your willingness to build, not theirs, but yours, the best form of their argument you can possibly construct and then engage with it. So instead of substituting what someone else is really saying with some lousy proposition that you can knock over with a single breath, you actually take the time to help them build the strongest argument against you that could possibly be built. I'm not talking about grandizing it beyond reality or making it into something that it isn't. I'm talking about you actually working for their side to make their argument as strong as possible. Make it out of steel. Now, the first thing that happens if you're willing to do that is you will represent them very well, and they will truly appreciate it. I mean, first and foremost, we're going to have to listen to them. Really listen. Put the pieces together. Building rapport and mutual appreciation. Then, once you step back over to your side of the argument. You are no longer just some hardhead pushing his ideas. You now have a formidable opponent that you can see, and you begin to present your arguments against a stable foe. If, at that point, you are still able to make a great argument, 
like, let's say it's a Bible argument, and you were genuinely listening, and you truly try to get what they are saying, and you absolutely work on their behalf in putting passages together, then you come back over to your side and you say, all right, my turn, let me present what I see in Scripture, and if you are then able to overcome their position, you can have confidence that you aren't just spouting what you've always wanted to believe, you've truly proven it, and you may then have the opportunity to win them over to your way of thinking. Or, on the contrary, maybe it turns out in building their man, you find out it is stronger than yours. So at that point, fighting the desire to dumb down their argument so that yours looks better, you give in and you change. And in both of those scenarios, everybody wins. And at the very least, maybe we will be a little less judgmental of one another. I want to get very practical with you in these last few minutes. I have been employing this approach as often as I possibly can in the last several years. And it doesn't mean that I've changed my position very often. I have done that, but not very often. It does, however, increase my understanding of other people. It increases my understanding of world religions and spiritual approaches and civil and political arguments that I would have just labeled ridiculous, build a nice little straw man, label it ridiculous, misquote something they said, and then blow it over with a single Bible verse. That was helping no one and it made for very pitiful preaching. And instead, through putting in more work, really reading and listening, I'm able to make arguments that are more sound and useful, and yes, occasionally change my mind. In some ways, this is a follow-up to last week's episode, People and Books, where we said that you will be the same person five years from now that you are now, except for the people that you have met and the books you have read. Let me ask you, how many books have you read in the last year by an opponent, by someone who is pushing at least some variation, maybe not an outright opposite, but some variation of what you believe and see? Get outside of the echo chamber. See what others have to say. Be challenged by information you didn't have before and not frightened by it. And of course, you can do this with books or even online. Earlier this year, I listened to an eight-hour debate between two preachers, Bruce Reeves and Holger Neubauer. The topic was the 70 AD doctrine, which may or may not mean anything to you. It's just an example here, but I do not hold that position. Basically, Bruce Reeves spent four hours arguing that Jesus is, in fact, coming again in the clouds one day, and Mr. Neubauer spent four hours arguing that Jesus already came in 70 AD in judgment, and there is no coming in the future. Now, I have preached some straw men sermons on that topic before, where I grabbed some random quotes by the 70 AD guy that sounded pretty ridiculous, threw a few Bible passages at it, and won the day. But this time, I decided to approach it differently. I decided to listen to Mr. Neubauer's four hours as someone who wanted to believe him, someone who was totally open to considering it, someone who could be potentially easily swayed to that camp with good arguments. And when he made arguments and I saw tiny holes, I gave him the benefit of the doubt and I let him keep talking. I gave him every chance to convince me, and I'll tell you this, I learned a lot about his position 
It's not some pie-in-the-sky thing. It has to do with a lot of Old Testament terminology and fulfillments. And I waited until the entire debate was over, until I was basically converted, and then I went back to my common position, the position that Bruce and I both hold, and I revisited Bruce's arguments at that point, and I studied it again on my own, and I found that there were some verses I thought I was sure about I'm no longer sure about. So I made some changes. Though I still hold the second coming in the future position, and I have a much better understanding of the people that I might discuss this with, and I think I can represent them well, and I can even admit passages that I've been moved on, and at the same time, I believe I can present a solid argument for what I'm convinced is the truth, and maybe if they feel properly represented, they will listen, and I can even convert some. Here's the thing you need to understand from that example. I had to do a lot more listening than speaking. I had to fight those emotional triggers that we all get, where I heard something I didn't like and wanted to jump into my argument in response. But instead, I listened and learned, and genuinely did learn things. And when I returned to my position, I had real work to do to argue for it, and it made me stronger in the end. As another example, right now I'm reading a book by a guy named Lagarde Smith called Radical Restoration, and he suggests things in that book that I would just have patently rejected without even considering it seriously in times past, and yet now I'm reading and I'm thinking, this guy's a good Bible student, he's done his work, let me not only read what he has to say and not only consider it, but I want to help him build it into as strong of a steel man as he possibly can. And then, afterwards, when I return back to my original position, I ought to have the integrity to change in areas where I am wrong, and I think, quite frankly, he makes a couple of good points I want to reconsider, but also, when I go about standing for what we are doing now, I will know what I'm standing against, and without question, I will be able to make stronger, wiser, more persuasive arguments. So look, I want you to try this. The next time you're in an argument with your spouse— any family member, even a brother or sister in Christ, a coworker or a neighbor. Relax. Don't start arguing. Don't misrepresent their position to make yourself look valiant. Listen, learn, give them all of the benefits of the doubt, help them make their argument, put the whole thing together and see if maybe they're right. And even if they aren't, you can give some great answers that lead to tremendous results which includes really cool stuff like you learning some things, the other person learning some things, respecting one another's convictions, and even positive change. But that starts with a very intentional and selfless decision to look at your opponent's argument and build steel men. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. As always, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for the email, order the three-month journal, or just catch up on old episodes. And also, if you are looking for financial advice or future planning, give John Cunningham a call today, 205-913-1720. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.